Informant podcast should not be interpreted as legal advice and are intended for general information purposes only. Welcome everybody to today's podcast. My name is Callie Watley and I'm a corporate and mergers and acquisitions partner in Burr Informant's Birmingham office. I also serve as the co-chair and help lead the firm's corporate and tax practice group. Today, we are continuing with our women's podcast series where we are talking about managing stress and anxiety something that is always important, but has seemed to be exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm honored to be joined today with a special guest, Carissa DeRay. Carissa is a licensed psychotherapist, and her company, Every Girl Living, focuses on helping women grow, heal, and conquer the challenges that they face. With all that said, welcome to the podcast, Carissa. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, Kelly, for inviting me on. And I'm so excited I get to talk with you about kind of stress and anxiety because I know you're right. This is such a weird time that we're living in. And like you said, I am a licensed psychotherapist and I started Every Girl Living because I really wanted to create an environment for women to feel safe and not only do therapy with them, but also just to create a community. So a part of our program that we have, we do a lot of education and training, but we also have a, um, a nice group of women that comes together and they talk. So every couple um, weeks we get together and we just kind of talk through a lot of stuff. And so it's really created this environment that's been very helpful to really tackle, like you said, the stress and anxiety that's coming with this. And what I've found is recently with the pandemic, we people were really craving it even more. Just um, just the other day when we met, a lot of the ladies were talking about just how isolated they feel. And so this is just a crazy time that we're living in. And I'm glad that we get to talk about it today. Well, thanks, Carissa. Let's, let's jump in for a minute and talk about some of the contributors of stress that the COVID-19 pandemic is creating. And I'm drawing on my own personal experience and situation right now. Um, My kids started school this week. It's been kind of crazy going back. Um, But as an attorney, my time is a commodity. It's what I sell. And right now, managing time is really stressful. Well, it's always stressful, but now it's even more so. Um, As an attorney, I'm programmed to figure out a solution to a problem problem. I'm programmed to fix things. And, you know, it doesn't always translate into unpredictable and kind of unprecedented situations. Uh, you know, that they're just, they're major stresses right now for women. Well, there are major stresses for everybody, but it seems like women, especially um, most, mm-hmm. you know, it's no surprise to anyone that one of the biggest things right now is juggling school and virtual learning for those who, you know, are, can't go back to school. I feel very fortunate that my kids are going in person, but I'm also, you know, a bit of a realist. I know that that might not last forever. And you now have, you've always had two full-time jobs. If you work full-time, you have your job as a parent and also your outside job, but now I'll throw a third one in as teacher, as many of us experienced this spring and are are experiencing again this Mm -hmm. fall. Um, And it it just feels impossible to balance everything. And, you know, no matter how enlightened things seem to be, it definitely, 
at least to me, feels like the burden tends to fall more on women than men. I have um, three school-age children, first grade, third grade, and sixth grade. Um, My husband is in the service industry as well. He, you know, works on production a lot like me. He's not an attorney, but he's got a demanding job. And, you know, we kind of have that daily fight of whose job is more important. That's not very fun to have. Um, But necessary as you try to figure out on a day-to-day basis what your schedule looks like, who's dealing with something that's more pressing, just to try to keep things afloat. Yeah, it's hard, Callie. This is just, you know, like we keep saying, it's just a different time that we're living in. And like you said, it is already a challenge to try to balance everything. And now we're adding all these other stressors. And, you know, one of the things too, I think that happens is that there's just this undercurrent. So even if we're not being directly affected with some of the changes, like you're talking about with virtual school, you know, you get to, you know, you are able to send your kids back, you're still worried, right? There's still that nagging thing of like, is everything going to be okay? Is it, you know, are they going to be safe? Or, or is it going to last forever? Is there going to be an outbreak and we have to close? And so there's all these other factors. And we're trying our best to try to have some normalcy. But there's just that undercurrent. And then if you add, you know, other things, other stressors of taking care of family, it could be, you know, for my sake, I have an elderly mom. And so that's been we just hired a caregiver for her. And some of the things that are in the back of my mind are, you know, is that person, you know, cleaning their hands? Are they taking care of, you know, doing all the safety precautions that they should? And so this really does kind of add this extra layer to it. And it's hard to really balance it because now we're out of feeling out of control. And that's, you know, I think a real big contributor to stress is that maybe we've already been stressed, but now we're adding this other layer, you know, to it. No, that that's totally makes sense. And, and people with children certainly don't hold the monopoly on, um, you know, stressors and outside stressors. There's definitely people with caring for elderly parents or special needs or even more so people who are in that very, um, that more vulnerable population. So, I mean, I, I, my intelligent brain can count my blessings that all I have to deal with is three healthy children and jobs. Right. Which then kind of turns, turns your anxiety even more so sometimes because you feel guilty for being anxious about, a situation where you, in the grand scheme of things, know you're fortunate. It's hard because yeah, you could you play the comparing game and go, well, you know, well, what what do I have, you know, to complain about? I have it, you know, really good. But the problem or the reality is, is that we all, we all ha- are all feeling it, and there's not really one person has it better than the other. It's just it's just affecting us differently, and so it's just looking at how we're managing it. And that's really, I guess, kind of our focus today is how are we managing it? How are we taking care of ourselves during this time? Because it does, it does creep in and does affect us. So beyond what we're juggling and just trying to get everything done for attorneys, which is the perspective I come from, but anyone who interfaces with clients that, you know, 
works and is compensated based on production, it's hard enough normally, but adding to all this is career development and how, how is this going to affect long-term on my, on my career? You know, I'm away from the office more, I'm juggling my clients' demands, but business development just kind of, it's turned a little bit upside down. The normal paths that you take, the things that you work hard to learn how to do and, you know, try to improve on each time have totally gone out the window and you're with a whole new set of circumstances and you can't meet face-to-face with potential clients. You can't network in the same ways. Those avenues are gone. And to, to large part, you know, even potential clients, they're hunkered down trying to figure out survival in all this. Um, you know, so it, it, it just almost seems to avalanche on itself. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing when you, you talk about this, Kelly, too, is it's these expectations of how things are supposed to be. And when we are so stuck in that, of like, this is the way it's supposed to be, and this is the way that, you know, the ideal thing, it does even make it more difficult because we're starting to almost fight against what what the reality is. Like, this is, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, this is what we have right now, is that we have to do telehealth, or not telehealth, but for me, it's telehealth. But, you know, we have to do video conferencing. We have to meet, you know, um, separately from our clients. It's not the ideal and so it's part of this journey is to be able to kind of decrease the anxiety is kind of coming to this place of, can I let go of my expectations of the way, you know, it's supposed to be? Because one of the things I do hear from you or kind of hear is that you probably are a really high achieving person. Obviously, with the title that you have, you've, you've worked hard to get where you are. You probably have some, you know, really great skills. And so those things have worked really well for you. But during times like this, sometimes these skills that have got us ahead can also work against us because we're, we're still trying to push in an environment that's not really conducive to that. I hope that makes sense. No, I mean, it, it totally makes sense. And I think, you know, one of the benefits of getting older is you learn some perspective and you, you realize that when your mom said, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger really is true. You know, any times like this, anytime you go through circumstances, well, I think any of us that are alive have ever dealt with a global pandemic, but anytime you go through a difficult circumstance and come out the other side, I think most people can recognize, or I'd like to think a lot of people can recognize the situation for the growth opportunities it was. Um, I know that has sort of been my experience to when you go through those really hard times and you come out the other side, you go, man, you know, I'm stronger than I thought I was. I can do this. I mean, we, we can do hard things. Um, but, but it is this unpredictability, especially for people who are a little type a, who like to be in control of things, which I will fully (laughs) admit that that's me. The unpredictability is almost feeding the anxiety and this just innate need to put puzzle pieces back together. Yeah. It's, it's uncomfortable, right? It's so uncomfortable. So it is a skill set. What you talked about is that being able to kind of learn from tough times, you know, that's what resilience is all about being able to come through something and go, wow, you know, look at me. I actually was able to do that, that hard thing. 
there's a lot of studies that have been done where we've really seen that emotional growth takes place when people go through difficult times. If you've been sheltered all your life, you really, you don't have the emotional depth that someone who has gone through tough things. So yeah, struggle does make us, you know, better people, you know, for the most part, but at the same time, it still doesn't take away that it is hard and nobody wants to go through it. And like you were saying is that, you know, some of us maybe can roll with the punches a little bit easier than others, but I think everybody, you know, when we're in this situation, it's really being able to sit with the the uncertainty without catastrophizing it. I know that's kind of a therapy, a therapy word, but it's that kind of making it to be something even worse than it is. And so if I can kind of tolerate the discomfort of this without having all the puzzle pieces back together, like you said, yeah, I have to do that. I have to kind of sit in this for a little while, lean into the discomfort we will, we start to realize that we are, like you said, we are stronger than what we realize. We can tolerate this. But along the same line is that we also need to be able to comfort ourselves and to be able to give ourselves a little bit of grace during this time too, is that, yeah, this is uncomfortable for everybody. It does. I I don't, I don't think I have met a person that has said this was a cakewalk (laughs) right now. (laughs) Well, and you use the word catastrophize and Lawyers especially tend to be catastrophizers because part of our job is to try to think, I I tell my clients sometimes I live in worst case scenario world Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to think of every potential worst case outcome and plan for that, you know, work around that, you know, advise on that. And so when you're constantly in that mindset, it's really hard to untrain that part of you that thinks that way. And so it's very, it's very challenging that part mm-hmm. of me that does that makes me good at my job and drives me and has been kind of something that, in my opinion, at least yeah. has fueled successes. And now sometimes it feels like it's so working against you. I know when we were, when we were talking in preparation for this, mm-hmm. you kind of talked about the difference between stress and anxiety. Can you touch on that yeah. from a much more technical perspective than I could? Yeah, I can definitely probably not more technical necessarily. But yeah, really, what you're talking what you've talked about is that you like stress and and stress has worked well for you. And really, if we look at stress, it isn't I mean, it's designed to be that kick in the butt that we need to get us moving. So stress is not a bad thing. It's just, it's the the chemicals that go through our body, you know, the adrenaline, the cortisol, that kind of give us that lift. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, It will get us to the finish line. It's only when it's a problem is when it becomes chronic stress and it starts to deteriorate at our bodies and we haven't taken time to kind of have the resets that we need. And eventually, you know, chronic stress can turn into anxiety. Some of us are a little bit more prone for anxiety too. You can also have, you know, generalized anxiety disorder. And that's that chronic worry. That's that you know, thinking that every, the worst thing is going to happen all the time and really never being able to calm ourselves down. And that becomes, you know, a clinical issue. But, you know, like you were saying how you are, a part of your job has been to look at the worst case scenario and plan for it. And that's a great skill set. 
But what's different for someone who is worrying is that then they will ruminate over it over and over and over and over and over again. And now it's never really come to a resolution. It's just worry and it's not productive. And that's where I think the situation is like looking at your skill set is that you can still plan out like what's the worst case scenario and then come to, okay, if this happens, we'll do this. And if this happens, we'll do this. And then letting it end. Because that's the thing is that if we don't put an end point to that, and we keep going, oh, well, what about this? And then what about this? Or we keep replaying it. Now we've got a worry problem. Now we've got an anxiety problem that's starting to, you know, work against us. That makes sense. What, what tips do you give to people who kind of find themselves in that worrying? I pay attention to this stuff because I, I, I know myself as you and I talked, I was six on the Enneagram. So I know the worst case scenarios probably don't surprise you much, but you know, how, how do you, I've heard things like think how many times like the worst connect case scenario actually panned out and you know, that provides assurance. What types of tips do you give people from kind of trying to keep from spiraling down that, especially in this kind of constant low grade, period that we're in that's just so disconcerting well one of the things is that a lot of times when we're in that kind of spiral like you you know kind of kind of hyping ourselves up we are so much in our heads that we are not even really in touch with reality at this point we're just you know in our minds and and one thing that people don't realize is that your mind can't tell the difference between what's real and imagined so if you're imagining the worst case scenario your body is actually amping up for it. So it's preparing for it. And so that's one of why we're having these sensations is if you're constantly thinking about the worst case scenario, you basically have told your body, get ready for the worst case scenario. So it's no wonder that people start to have anxiety or panic attacks because they've just got themselves worked up. So one of the things that I often do with my clients is, is really getting them to come back to their bodies and to be able to come to the present moment and grounding themselves. And so usually it's just as easy as saying, just take a breath, take a breath, feel your feet. And that a lot of times can be enough to just get us back into the moment. If it's, if they're really bad, I may say, you know, take a look around, start to go through the five senses, noticing what you're sensing. And that will sometimes will snap us out of that kind of worry loop that we've done. So that's, you know, the big thing is this really grounding ourselves into the present moment. But, you know, sometimes, you know, we have to really be thinking about, you know, I had, I was working with the mom recently and she's like, you know, kind of talking about like, I got all these things going on with my girls. I need to think about schooling and all of this. And, and she was really worried. And so, you know, one of the things that we discussed was, well, let's take time. So schedule a time to worry about that particular thing. So if you have to, you know, you're going to be homeschooling and, you know, you're, or you're going to have to make some phone calls to coordinate with the school and, you know, for homework or whatever it is, then allocate that much time and schedule it into your calendar, just like you would do any other appointment. And then when that's done, you're done. Another kind of twist on that would be, is that setting a timer so that maybe like at three o'clock every day, you've given yourself, you know, 30 minutes to think about whatever this problem is and to work on it. And so if at 10 o'clock in the morning, you 
you're thinking about, you know, thinking about it, just remind yourself, okay, I'm going to be worrying about this at three. And what happens is that you're training yourself to delay that response and to really be able to calm yourself down. And you may not even need to be take that time at three o'clock in the afternoon. So those are some things that are really helpful. But the most important thing I think really is just connecting with our body and to be able to relax. One more thing with this too, it's helpful. And you mentioned it a little bit was just being able to practice gratitude. If I can be grateful for the things I do have in my life that are going well, and sometimes we have to be creative, but if I can do that, that really does change things um, as, as well. Because worry and gratitude are, it's if you thought about it as on a spectrum, you have worry on one end and you have gratitude on the other. You can't experience worry at the same time as you're practicing gratitude. And I know um, there was a time in my life where I was really having some anxiety. I really didn't like a job I was working at. And I'd wake up at four in the morning on the clock, just ruminating and thinking about this, you know, what was ahead for the day. And what I started to do was I would, when I woke up, I would start to just think about all the things that I was grateful for. And within probably 30 minutes, I would go back to sleep and I was able to fall back to sleep until my alarm went off. So those are some things that we can try as well. I like that. You know, you often hear people say, oh, those things are not mutually exclusive, but it's almost like worry and gratitude are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. And and I like, I like that thought. That's comforting to me. Well, it's something that any of us can do. Yeah. I also like the idea of kind of giving yourself permission to worry. Cause I think sometimes, at least for me, it only kind of snowballs on itself because I go, gosh, I'm worrying too much. And then I worry about worrying too much. And it's this like giant mm-hmm. snowball effect. But I think if you kind of give yourself permission to to do that, it helps kind of compartmentalize that in a healthier way. Because I think there's also a fear that if you're never worried about anything, you'll never be prepared for it. Especially kind of back to my original point of part of, at least in my mind, where I see my success has been that I've been prepared and by being prepared, I was able to achieve results, both personally and professionally. So I think scary to think about a life that you're never worried about anything because then you might not be prepared and it might have other. You're such a type A. <laughs> I am. I, I, I probably chose the right profession. Um, I think you did. Yes. I, I, I like for things to be in my control. So sitting with the uncomfortable is is not always good, but the times that I've done it, I do come out stronger, more resilient. You know, it's funny. It's going back to gratitude. When I think about our kids experiencing this, my children live a good life. They're very privileged. It's they've got loving parents. They're in a home, a loving home. Something I'm. It's not lost on me that all children do not live like that, but I'm hoping that this builds resilience in them because they need that. Everyone needs Mm -hmm. to go through something hard and come out the other side. And you hope that's as safe of a hard situation as it can be. But, you know, I I think about what my grandparents experienced, Mm -hmm. you know, being born, living through the depression and World War II and all those things. And, you know, we all generationally go through things that define us. And um, I think we can choose whether it defines us for better or worse. Yeah. Well, and it's really then what you're saying too, I love this because, you know, it's then looking at how are you modeling this discomfort 
with your kids because they, you know, they're going to watch you, right? They're going to see how, you know, how's mom and dad doing this? And if they see you taking on these healthy ways of managing kind of the unpredictability, they can kind of learn like, okay, well, yeah, unpredictability isn't really great, but yeah, but we can get through this. We're doing this together and it doesn't have to completely destroy us. And we don't always have to be in crisis. And so a lot can be said during that period. And the other thing, you know, you had said too, is this kind of talking about like for you, you worry, you, you are a worrier, you are a type A that all those things are there. And so, yeah, to say to you, don't worry at all, just stop, just, you know, be type B, you know, well, that's not ever going to work. And that just is frustrating. So it's finding something that, you know, works for us that is still healthy. That makes total sense. And because I, I think too often, and this kind of leads me to my next point, which is, you know, we, we hear what might work for other people, but this comparison game that's so easy to do these days with social media, particularly, you know, you look and you see, well, they're doing this and it seems like they've got it all together mm-hmm. or they're, they're modeling how to behave in front of their children in a much better way than I am. Mm-hmm. And that tends to, it's funny, I've, I've thought about how how the pandemic would be if this was 20 years ago before social media. And it's almost like shining a light, at least in my mind, on how unhealthy it is to compare. I have an 11-year-old, you know, in a few days. And so in my mind, I'm going, gosh, if I can, if this is hard for me at almost 42, how can I expect her to be able to deal with this at 11? Can you talk about a little bit how that and just this natural tendency to compare how that affects our anxiety and mental health? Yeah, it's interesting. This has come, you know, for a while I was doing um, group therapy um, quite a bit and it was so interesting how many times this, the subject of Facebook or um, even Twitter, I didn't realize Twitter had such an impact, but apparently it does too, with just how we think of ourselves, you know, obviously, you know, like Instagram, all those things and um, looking at how everything looks so beautiful on in the photographs. But what I've ended up doing, and I don't know if this is exactly answering your question, but you know, one of the things that we've ended up talking about a lot with my clients is just turning it off, um, especially until you can get to a healthier place. Um, just because as long as you are looking at the other people and it can cause some discomfort and cause us to feel like we're inadequate, but partly I think this really taps into if I'm unhappy, if I'm unhappy with myself and I feel terrible about myself, then it's almost going to, when I look at the other person that seems to be having, you know, a wonderful time it's even more highlighted. But if I'm kind of feeling okay within myself, then maybe I'm not going to be, it's not going to be as glaring. So it's looking at that. Can I kind of work on me? It comes back to me and my own feelings of safety and security and feeling okay within myself. And when I, when I'm feeling good about who I am, then some of this other stuff isn't quite as glaring. Well, and that that's consistent with just my own personal boundaries that I've had to put in place with social media. I've found lately or over the summer, just really tried to step away from it over the weekends. And I don't miss it either. When come, you know, Sunday night, I realize I haven't mm-hmm. missed it. I think there's a lot of times you fear missing out, especially, gosh, especially when you're not around people anymore. It, it's like 
you're trying to fill this need for connection electronically that you're not getting in person anymore. But I found in myself, it was just creating just another place where I was worrying and, you know, needing those boundaries, but it's a challenge. It's those other means of feeling connected to people you love, you like, you want to be around are gone. Yeah. I think we have to be, especially during this time, because I know when we talked before, we were also talking about just the news, like it's, you know, the news can exacerbate all of this. It can heighten our feelings of anxiety. So it's really, we're needing to kind of curate our, who we're around, what we're around, what we can tolerate and being able to. So if it means cutting back on social media, if it means stop watching the news, you know, these are really going to be important things for us because I, I really need to protect myself. So it may be that I need to do FaceTime with friends, you know, or, um, you know, the zoom things that we do or join a group, um, you know, like at every girl living, we meet, like I said, we have a group called Soulborn, and it's a group of women and twice a month, we all get together and we talk and, and support each other. So if it's things like that, it's finding these ways of connecting with people that you're choosing that it's a healthy choice instead of it just kind of happening to us. Cause I think too, you think about here I am in my little world, I'm feeling really already kind of just hopeless. And now I'm listening to the news and then so-and-so from high school, she's just basically got like, you know, the killer bod still, and she's vacationing somewhere, or, you know, or got a pool in her bag or whatever it is, you know, some glamorous life she's leading while I'm sitting here, you know, locked in my house. Um, all of that can really kind of destroy us if we're already feeling down. So it's looking for ways that we can, you know, can control it. Like, you know, you were saying that you, you like to have control. Well, I think a lot of us do. So what can we do and put in that's, that's healthy. So something we've talked about, and this is, this is a bit of a change of subject, but one of the things we've talked about is kind of how, especially for for high-performing women, I think we start sometimes to, you know, almost identify or, or get our sense of self-worth from our success and our careers, what we've done. And I think this, the season of uncertainty, or I get a feeling just, it almost like breeds an insecurity because you don't know, like we've talked about the, those normal channels of how we've done things in the past. We're having a pivot and think creatively and do things differently. Um, but yet in professions where our success is judged by our performance, how many hours we go, what we, what we bring in, you know, that almost makes it even more of a struggle to live in these uncertain periods. Like, how do you have faith that it's all going to work out? What if, you know, can I take this day? I really need this day to myself, but what if, you know, I'm missing out on time in the office, time with clients, things like that. What if I miss an opportunity? I think that sort of kind of sometimes comes as an undercurrent that doesn't let us really reset our bodies in a healthy way to manage our anxiety. Yeah. And so it's kind of that we will just keep pushing ourselves until we're burned out. And that's really that big, and that's a problem with all a lot of professions, um, you know, majority, a lot of the work I do, um, is with helpers, um, also with physicians, you know, I, um, I teach psychotherapy as well. So I, I talk to the residents a lot about, 
um, you know, just this idea of burnout. And, you know, I know for them, a lot of the feedback is, it's like, well, I, I can't, you know, they're working just, you know, they're on call at crazy times and their days um, are just go, 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 go. And they really don't have a whole lot of time. And so it's like, okay, yeah, I know that I need to exercise. I know I need to, you know, eat right. But what am I, how am I supposed to do that right now? And it's, it's part of it is it's finding when we can do it. And like you, you mentioned, you know, we need to find those times to reset, find a time where we can. So maybe if it is at the end of the day, you know, turning off every, you know, everything so that we can, we're not getting disturbed for at least, you know, eight hours or something like that. And then letting people know that, you know, I just need to have the sleep. It's hard if you're on call. So there's always going to be something, but when we were talking about, you know, the stress and the anxiety piece of it, you know, like when we're looking at a very, very kind of related piece is trauma. So when we're looking at like trauma and things like that, one of the big things that happens when people get stuck is that they've ended up, they felt unsafe. They felt like hopeless, like that things will change, won't, you know, like this is always going to be this way. And they end up in this constant anxious state where their body is never does come back to the natural reset. And that natural kind of decrease of, you know, calmness coming, returning back to a calm state is really important for all of us. And that the longer we've really pushed ourselves and kind of went, go, 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 go then it seems to be that that it takes us even longer to recoup from it. So like, for instance, if you have a big case, I don't know what the typical length is, but maybe let's say, you know, you're working on it hardcore two or three months or so, and it's go, 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 go. And it's a lot of, you know, late nights and that type of thing, and maybe eating takeout or something. Well, at the end of that, there so maybe this is the case that you're going 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 but at the end it would be really important then to have that now i need to have a break to catch my breath and reset for a little bit instead of bouncing right into the next thing but even within that you know maybe two or three months that you've push 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 pushed is that then can i find you know maybe a, a weekend in there that i can or an evening or or something that i can you know bring it down for a moment. Maybe even if it's like a hot bath or something at the end of a night where I'm just tuning out. We have to really, we're not robots, so we can't treat ourselves that way. So it's also listening to that internal rhythm. I It's taken me a lot of years. Um, so when we're talking about the Enneagram, I'm a three, I'm an achiever on the um, Enneagram, even though in my mind, I always think it's never, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not really that, you know, high achiever, but in a way, my, the people around me are always saying, no, you won't stop. You consistently do, 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 do. And I don't realize it until sometimes I'm at the place of overload and I'm getting better of listening to the internal dialogue, but you know, it's such, it's always a hard thing because there's that push of, well, I don't want to be lazy. Um, but realizing that if I don't, then that long recovery period could take a month for me to recover if I've really burned myself out. So it's finding those healthy balances um, that we, we need to be able to kind of catch our breath, reset before we go on to the next thing. If we don't, 
and we're in this constant level of stress, we may think that we're handling it well, but typically what happens is our bodies are going to tell us that we're not. You know, we may end up being overweight. We may end up with diabetes, um, high blood pressure, things like that. And so it's going to leak out eventually. Is that kind of what you were thinking? Yes. I struggle a lot with the feeling of laziness too. And it's a good thing to want to be productive, but I think you struggle with like Mm -hmm. in the minute you're not, you feel lazy. And I know you were talking about like at the end of a case or for me, a deal, that's the hardest time, the transition out and just to let it kind of reset that, that is a, that, that time often I've told people that's the hardest, Mm -hmm. the ramping up and the coming down are always the hardest, the being in the middle of it. I, I manage well, but you know, like everyone, we're, we're all works in progress, right? Well, yeah. And what, and what you were speaking to, I think is that is what makes it hard sometimes for us to do the things that we think that we, you know, like, like we, we had said before, um, what you, you and I talked before, it was like, yeah, we all know. Yeah. yeah I got to eat better. I got to exercise. Duh. Like I know that, but it's like, why am I not doing it? And it comes down to these things of like, why I won't take care of my, you know, like you said, it's difficult when the case is done or the um, deal is done. Well, part of that is because of our own worth and value. And I know that this thing of like maybe doing, so if I'm productive, then I'm a valuable member, which goes back to that pay, you know, you're basically, your job tells you, you know, for you, you bill every hour. So the busier you are, the more you're doing, then the, you know, the more valuable you are. Unfortunately, that tra- if that's translating, though, to our personal worth as well, then we're, that's really what gets us stuck. Because now I've got this message of, well, if I'm doing nothing, then I'm, then I'm not worthwhile. I'm not a worthy person. I have no value. And a lot of us, I think we've been, our society in the United States, I mean, we are, that's what we've all been taught. You work hard. And you do well, and you're a productive, you know, member of society. Then you have value. If not, you know, you know, too bad. And it, we have to get to this place of going. It's I'm valuable no matter what I do. I have value just being, and a part of being a human is I have to take care of my body. So, like, if I have a really good, you know, with my car, I have to make sure I change the oil. I have to make sure that I put gas in it. I have to take time to do those things because if I don't, then it's going to break down later and I may not have a car at all. So we still have to realize that that even though there's no maybe money attached to it, it's still a valuable thing is to take care of ourselves. And that's hard, I think, for a lot of us that have been kind of influenced by that go, 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 do, 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 do. Well, I I agree. It is very hard. And I, I think of anything this the pandemic has taught us or it's teaching us to think of people just on a more human level but i think sometimes the hardest person to be compassionate with is ourselves so well i think i think that's about the end of our time today thank you so much for joining us chris if we have anyone listening dealing with anxiety or concerns that would like to contact you how can they reach you oh thank you so yeah um my we have our website is everygirl-living.com. So you can reach us there. It has all of the information um, that you can, that you want to find. We also have our own podcast too, Every Girl Living, that is on iTunes and anywhere that um, you listen to podcasts. And so you can also listen to that. And that could be very helpful for anyone 
listening to your um, podcast today too. So yeah, just contact me at evergirl-living.com. Well, that's great. I'll have to check out your podcast. I always am looking for something new um, to listen to. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Be on the lookout for future episodes of our women's podcast series. Burr also has a library of podcasts available on topics such as e-signatures, diversity and inclusion, and our weekly Take 5 podcast, which gives you the top five things you know, need to know each week as it relates to immigration. You can find these podcasts and other information about our firm at burr.com, B-U-R-R.com. Thank you.